Can you hear me? No, no, there you go. Yeah, I'm the guest speaker for today. <laughs> That's what usually happens when you always go away. Uh, okay, let me just uh, get this in order. Now, uh, I hope every time we stand and greet one another, you guys go out of your way and find someone that you don't know. You know, we're so big in this place. We're 40,000, remember that, okay? So you have the opportunity to be able to, to get to know someone only in a very short while. So don't miss that opportunity, okay? Because, you know, I'm claiming the future already because I think God has his hand upon this church. And you can see we're growing, okay? And not yesterday was already thinking about transferring to another place, okay? We want to transfer to Fontana, is it? Okay? Yeah, many people are saying, no way, okay? No, seriously, when you have a chance to meet someone that you don't know, go and approach them and ask them what their name is. Welcome to CCFLA. My name is uh, Pastor Danny. We have uh, so many pastors here. We're trying to develop as many pastors as we can because that's the way to grow a church. Now, if you are an active, regular member of CCF Los Angeles, and you know who you are, you would know what the focus is of our Sunday messages. Right? Right? If you know what is the focus of our Sunday messages. Patay. Okay. Patay. Okay. Ano ba yan? Okay. GLC, di ba? Of course not. See, the pro you know, maybe I have to repeat Pastor Insong. I think we have to go back to the first message because these people forget so quickly. You know, if you're here in CCF LA, we have been talking about, we have been talking about knowing God. Why do we need to know God? How can we make God known if we don't know Him? You see, there's a challenge for all of us today. We need to make God known. Before we can make God known, we ourselves have to know God. Amen? Because you cannot love a God you don't know. The person next to you is probably your spouse. I'm not talking about you young people, okay? Don't even look at each other, okay? <laughs> if you're old and the person next to you is probably your spouse, and the reason why you love that person is because you know that person. The same thing is true for God. You cannot love the person you don't know. You cannot trust the person you don't know. You cannot worship the God that you don't know. And that's why we're here, knowing God. The first message we gave was about the God of the how much more. God is so big. God is so awesome. God is so powerful that he can give anything that you need. Yes? Anything. And I mean anything. That's the God of the how much more. We talked about that. Then we talked about the God who uses ordinary people like you and me. I mean, look at us. We're so ordinary. Look at me. I'm so ordinary, yet God used me to be able to proclaim to you guys his wonderful message. And the same thing goes for you. You have the potential of being used by God because God will use ordinary people like you and me. That's the God we have. Amen? Are you ordinary? Yes. Can God use you? Yes. Amen. That's the God we have. And that's how powerful our God is. And then we talked about the God who has supreme powers. You know, um, I don't know with you, but my God, he's got supernatural powers. 
Nothing is impossible with him. And I mean nothing. If you're facing some challenges today which are seemingly overcoming you, believe me, God can handle them if you believe by faith. Why? Because he has given us the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit resides in each and every one of us to be able to do the impossible. Do you believe that? And we've talked about experiencing the Holy Spirit. Pastor Reggie talked about one and two. And in fact, last week, or the last time before Father's Day, he talked about the walk by the Spirit through the Obey Now principle. You know, I just want to walk you through what's going on. If you're here in CCF, we're here to know God more. And this morning, we're going to talk about God some more. I'm going to talk about the God who makes masterpieces out of each and every one of us. Do you like that? You know, he makes masterpieces out of each and every one of us. And the principle that we are trying to adopt here is this. Thinking determines behavior. You know, unless you understand this principle, your life will not change. And I mean it. Your thinking will determine the way you behave. Why do you think the world out there believes that gay marriages are okay? Why? Because they think it's good for them. Because they think it is their right constitutionally. No matter what they think, it's wrong. Wrong thinking leads to wrong behavior. Why do you think people, want, people who are married want to divorce? Because they think they deserve to be happy somewhere else. Is that right? To them, it's right. But in the eyes of God and God's word, it's not. And that's the reason why we would like you to believe that here in CCF, you will only be taught and you will only learn right thinking, which will lead to right behavior. That's what we're doing. And everything that we're going to do here in discipleship and in GLC is just to what? To change the way you think according to God's thinking so that our behavior will flow and become the right behavior that is expected of all of us. Right, Enrique? Okay, right. As young as you are, right? Hmm. What you think determines what you do and what you become. Here is the present thinking of the world today. This is the way the world thinks, and I hope this is not you. Right? I'm looking at you, each and every one of you. I hope this is not you. This is the way the world thinks. Think heavenly. Ah, oh, it's boring. I don't like that. That's the present. You know, that's the reason why people today, instead of coming to church, they'd rather play golf. Right? They'd rather party. Because heavenly church is boring. They'd rather party. Right? What else? Think Christ-like? Ah, come on. We can't do it. It is impossible. It's not cool. Christ is perfect. I'm not. That's why I can't do it. That's the way the world thinks. And that's the reason why, that will explain why the world today is the way it is. So carnal, so worldly. And then, think worldly. Oh, yes. Worldly. It's fun. It's in. It's enjoyable. That's the present thinking. And you know what, guys? That's the present thinking. And the thinking required that we are changing for us to make an impact in this world is what? Think heavenly because it is wise. Yesterday, I attended a graduation party, a graduation ball, and I simply said, you know, you guys 
are facing a life ahead of you and you build it. You have a choice to be wise or to be foolish. If you want to be wise, think heavenly. But Pastor Dan, I cannot even relate to what heaven is. That's why we want you to come. Because if you come to CCFLA, it's heaven. Right? And you will begin to feel what heaven is. It's wise. One way or another, we will be able to communicate to you that dwelling within the bounds that God has given us is heavenly and wise. Thinking like Christ is being wise. Think like Christ. It's wise. You will not be disappointed. Thinking worldly? Foolish. That's the kind of thinking we need today. That's why Pastor In Song says you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And being filled with the Holy Spirit, in his message says, the one driving your life is not you, which most, more often than not, we do, right, Hill? We just keep driving ourselves, right? And we keep driving ourselves, we get mad right away, right, Hill? But if we let the Holy Spirit drive our lives, believe me, it will be much better. And Pastor In Song, in his message on the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Make this a habit. And I follow this up by a question. How can we make it a habit? Guys, you can make this a habit by thinking heavenly. Think heavenly. You know, we have not had a chance to think heavenly because we are so earthly focused. Just now, you're probably thinking of what, what lunch will be. Or, you know, he's talking too long. When is he going to stop? Okay. You know, I'm trying to be heavenly here, guys. Okay? But yet, you guys are so earthly bound that you keep thinking below the worldly line. And I said in my message the last time, think about heaven and live above the worldly line because below the worldly line is death, danger, disaster, and everything. We're here to think heavenly. And I'm not sure how to do it yet. And I'm, I hope that the word of God will just explode right before us and show us how good heaven is. That's what we want to do. That's why we're here, to renew our mind, renew our thoughts, renew our thinking. All right? Let's rise to read scriptures so that we can, our, our mind will be renewed. Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 10 is our passage for this morning. Let's read it together, shall we? Verse 4, but God... For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Shall we pray? God, we bow ourselves before you today, recognizing that we have been so wrong in our thinking. Father, my prayer for me and for all of the people that we love here so much is that you will renew our minds and our thoughts. Lord, replace whatever that is worldly, that is keeping us down and enslaving us. Replace that, Lord, with heavenly thoughts. Thoughts about you, 
truths about us that you have provided in your word. And my prayer, Lord, is that these truths will, will, will jump out alive and influence the way we live from now on. Lord, change us. Allow us to think about heaven and the things that are in there so that our behavior will change towards becoming the kind of Christians you want us to be. Father, teach us this morning. Holy Spirit, control us. Open our hearts so that we will be changed. I commit this time to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Question. What do all the following pictures have in common? Okay? I don't know why Wilma's uh, trying to smile and, you know, maybe he, he, she's already expecting something different here. What do all the following pics have in common? That's the Mona Lisa, right? Those of you who are young enough, you'll know this, the Mona Lisa. What about this? Oh, wow, who said that? Starry Starry Night, okay, by Vincent Van Gogh. And the self-portrait of Van Gogh. I, I think you saw my presentation already, huh? What kind of paintings are this? Alvin, what kind of paintings are this? Huh? What about this? The Composition 7 by Vali Kadinsky. You didn't know that, huh? Okay. Huh, huh. What about this? This is Legaspi, Cesar Legaspi's The Crucifixion. Okay. What about this? Glass pitcher by Picasso. What about this? Oops, I covered that right away, okay? <laughs> this is Michelangelo, the creation of Adam, right? Guys, what about this? You know, I was fascinated when I saw this. You know, the, the, the picture here does not justify it, but you know, it's a picture made from vegetable, okay? It's a painting made from vegetables, okay? And it's by a Chinese artist. I think it's the first cousin of Tony Ong, okay? Ju, uh, her name is Ju. How do you pronounce that? J-U, Ju? Ju, okay? She's a Chinese uh, uh, master artist, and her studio is her kitchen. Um, made out of boiled, dried, fried, and pickled vegetables, finishing with fastest past rotting ingredients to create masterpiece versions made entirely out of vegetables. Wow. Can you see the picture from here? Yeah, it's better, right, from the where I'm seeing it. What do all of these pics have in common? Okay, now Wilma, you can answer the question, right? Not so sure yet, okay? Guys, these are all masterpieces. Masterpieces of great artists that you have heard over time and have lived through years. Artists, masterpieces. Daniello Perezzi, okay? <laughs> That's my masterpiece. All right? That's me, Vincent van Gogh, Leonardo da Vinci, Wally Kadinsky, Wally Kadinsky, they call it, Cesar Legaspi. I can go on and on and name a lot of great masterpieces. Michelangelo, of course, top of the line, Daniello Perezzi, okay? And then, unfortunately, the next artist that is, that is from CCFLA is not here. Pablo Picasso is from CCF? No, he's not. But this guy, Pedro <laughs> Lusorowski, is not here. 
and he made a painting called Debutante. Okay? Uh, you, know, you know why I did this, right? Because this afternoon, I think this evening, the daughter is celebrating her birthday. And that's why they're not here. Why are they not here? Just because it's their birthday? No, I'm just kidding. You know, Pedro Lusorowski. You know, what, what, what is a masterpiece, guys? What is a masterpiece? Masterpiece is this. A very valuable piece of art created with the most ordinary and at times even worthless materials. How much is a panel, a canvas? How much is paint, a brush, you know? But when the master touches that, and do something about that canvas, it turns out into something valuable. Does that make sense to you? Right? My question is this. What determines the value of the masterpiece? Is it the material? No. Who? The artist, of course. The artist. The Van Gogh, the Picasso. Michelangelo, Legaspi, Da Vinci determines the great worth of the work. My question is this. Is there an artist greater than this famous artist of all times? Hello? And I know who it is, right? And that artist is what? Who is the greatest artist of them all? Daniello Perezzi, right? No. Okay. The greatest artist of them all is the one who drew the Grand Canyon. Look at that. That is not a painting. That's a picture taken of the Grand Canyon, guys. It doesn't do justice to the picture, but if you go there, you will be dumbfounded. And you'll shut up because it's just so awesome. The Grand Canyon in its majesty. He painted that? No. He just said, exist. And he is the master artist. Bobby, you know this place, right? What that place? Palawan. Okay? Coron. Right? He forgot. He was there. He was showing me the pictures. Okay? What about this? The Milky Way, the universe. Our God painted, created all of this, and he is the great artist. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hand. Guys, there is a far bigger, greater artist. And that artist is our father. is our God. In Genesis 1.1, he says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's an artist? From out of useless materials, he creates a masterpiece. That's a master artist, and that is our God. God is the greatest artist of all. Why do I say that? Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And you tell me how God is the martyr, master artist. Look at this. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. We are a masterpiece. Where did we come from? Dust. Valuable? No. But when the Lord 
formed you from the ground, and then you, become, you became you, believe it, or, believe it or not, guys, you are masterpieces. Because the Lord placed his hand upon you and breath, gave you a breath of life. Psalm 8, 4 to 5. David says this, What is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. Look at each other and say, you are glorious and majestic. Come on, say that to each other. You are glorious and you are majestic. Because that's what, how God made you. And if you don't think you are, trust me, there is something wrong with the way you think. And that's why here this morning, we're changing the way you think. You know, God, being the master, being the artist, made masterpieces out of each and every one of us. He created us and he created man and put him in a garden to be a masterpiece, to live forever. But something happened. In Genesis 2, okay, he gave a command. He said, then, then the Lord took the man, put him into the garden of Eden and, and, and to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. What happened? From being a masterpiece, okay, God said, you are a masterpiece now, but I want you to keep being a masterpiece by not eating from the fruit. What happened? We know in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, I don't have the time to go through that, the fall of man, right? Man sinned. And when man sinned, what happened to the masterpiece? The masterpiece simply became a mess. Disobedience of God's command of not eating from the tree, from the fruit of one tree, what happened? God's workmanship and masterpiece became a big mess. You understand what I'm saying? God started right. He made, a, he made masterpieces out of each and every one of us from the dust, from worthless material. But because we disobeyed his command and sin came into the picture, what happened? We became a mess. Here's the mess. And I would like you to be, I'd like you to take a look at it and see if you can relate. They felt shame. Right? Verse, verse 7. You know, every time you sin, you're so shameful, right? And that's a mess. And then, in verse 8, they hid. They were afraid. Isn't that a mess? You know, you're hiding and you're, you're, you, you, you don't have any confidence to face uh, the people around you because, you know, you're a mess. And then in verse 14, 15, 16, they, the God said they will be punished. In fact, they will die. And God said they will have enemies. And then God said in verse 16, there will be intense pain and suffering. Sounds familiar? Isn't that the world we're living in today, guys? Right? From being a masterpiece, all of a sudden, we are in a mess. We're living in a mess. The world is in a mess. You may not accept it easily, but you and I know, if you can see what's happening here, hey, that's the word I'm living in. And oftentimes you say, hey, that's me. For all, of the, for all of the things, the wrong things I've done in my life, that's me. I have enemies. I'm in pain. I'm in suffering. And I don't know what's going on. You know why? Because sin came into the picture. And then in verse 17, God said, you'll be cursed. You will struggle. You will sweat it out. You have to work, guys. 
That's what he said. And then in verse 19, this is the worst thing. This will continue to happen until the day you die. What a mess. What a mess. From being a masterpiece created by God in the garden, sin came, and then what happened? We were thrown all over the place, all messed up. That's the world today. But, ah, but today in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 6, that's why it starts with, but God, okay? But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Look at that, verse 4, verse 5. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, meaning what? Messed up. Even when we're messed up. You know what God did? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Raised up with him. Seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For what reason? Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we might live in them. The Greek word for workmanship, the Greek word for workmanship is poema. Poema. It means masterpiece. You know, God is reminding us, although you've seen, Alex, although you've seen, can you see me with your shades? Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. Although we've seen, okay, God has what? Taken us out so that he can make masterpieces of us once again. Do you see that? We've seen, but God is trying to make us masterpieces all over again. Is this, is this possible at all? With man being a mess, the answer is yes, because God is the master artist, and he can make beautiful out of something miserable and a mess. A masterpiece, I will remind you, is a very valuable piece of art created with the most ordinary and at times even worthless materials, even messes like us. You know, if you're in a situation right now in your life where you feel like you're a mess, Trust me, it's Satan who's trying to remind you of that. And I would like you to know this morning that you are God's masterpieces, created in Christ to do good works so that you will walk in them. Just like this masterpiece, from rotting vegetable to a martyr, ma masterpiece. And the same thing is true with us. God is removing all of our sinfulness and converting us into the kind of man and woman, Christ-like, that he wants us to be. Here's the truth that I would like you to dwell on. The truth that I would like you to live by. We are created to become masterpieces and not messes. Say that to each other. We are masterpieces and not messes. Come on, say it to each other. We are, not, we are masterpieces and not messes. We are messes today Folks, we are messes today because we dwell on fallen worldly thinking. We are messes today because our thinking is worldly, making messes out of us. So the present thinking is this, that I would like you to think. I say it again. Think heavenly. Okay? It is boring. It's wrong. This is the present thinking. Christ-like, can't do, impossible, not cool. Think worldly, it's, it's, it's in, it's fun, it's enjoyable. This is the present thinking, and it's wrong. And it is this very thinking that makes messes out of us, believe it or not. This is the kind of thinking that will make you and me masterpieces into becoming messes. 
of sin. Or this thinking, you know, life is short. Pastor Dan, life is short. You know, like you, for example, you only have 15 years to live, okay? Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. How many people say this to one another? A lot, right? They even say it, in heaven there is no beer. You're singing, huh? That's why we drink it here, okay? I mean, these are all lies, guys, okay? And when, anyone? And when the beer, I don't know, I forgot now, okay? I used to master that sing song before, okay? Eat, drink, and be merry, okay? You know, that kind of thinking, guys, as I said, is what? Living below the snake line. Those of you who are not here, I gave this message that there's a place in the U.S. where people were forced to live above the snake line because if they live below the snake line, they will be bitten by the snakes. Okay? And that is a good metaphor for our lives. You have to quit living below the snake line because it bites. They will kill you. It's poisonous. You have to start living below. This is living below the wordy line. And you have to start living above the snake line. And living above the snake line is what? Thinking heavenly. I gave this message before I left. And I hope that those of you who remember, okay, will see the importance of this follow-up message. Those of you who are here for the first time with us, we welcome you. But it's not supposed to discourage you. Because you know for a fact that you've been living on this earth for a long time. And you're wondering, how come, how come we can't seem to break, break past through it? Everything seems to be like fallen. Worldly people are getting sick, etc., etc. You know, I know Dr. Tess, okay? The husband is in the hospital, and we'll pray for the husband later, okay? You know, because I know God can take care of that too, Doctora, because God is the master artist who can fix everything. And all he's asking for is this. Disengage from thinking below the line, think above the snake line, and think heavenly, and your life will change. That's what he's telling us. That's why in Colossians 3, verse 2 to 3, it says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. How awesome is that? And it all starts by thinking heavenly. Heavenly thinking towards being God's masterpieces, okay? Thinking number one. Heavenly thinking towards God. You want to become God's masterpieces? Yes or no? Then the first heavenly thinking that I want you to think about is this. Okay? Verse 7 particularly. But look at the background. The background is this. God is so rich in his love and mercy. We are sinners. We are messes. What did he do? Verse 6. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Look at verse 7. So that in the ages to come. What does that mean? In the epochs to come. In the period to come. He didn't say in the years, 10 years, 15 years to come. No, he didn't say that. The word for ages to come is what? Eternity. Okay? In other words, what I'm trying to say is this. Uh, think, heavenly thinking number one. We are timeless beings. I'd like you to take a look at yourself. Look at your body and say, this body may live only for 70 years on earth, but God created this body, this soul, and this spirit to live eternally, okay? You are a timeless being who will live for eternity with Christ in heaven. Do you believe that? You know, if you believe that, believe me, that will change your mindset forever. You're timeless, meaning whether you like it or not, you will live forever. The question is, will you live as a masterpiece forever or will you live as a mess forever? There's a flip side to it, guys. 
The flip side is, of course, you can live in heaven with Christ, right? As a masterpiece. Or the flip side is, you can live forever in hell with Satan. You have no choice. You either, you, you have no choice being timeless. You will live forever, you know, whether you like it or not. If you believe that, then you better start thinking. Where do you want to be? As a masterpiece in heaven or a mess in hell? Your choice. I get that. That's a no-brainer, right? I think I, I, I just want to live in heaven, of course. Thinking, heavenly thinking number two, towards being God's masterpieces. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. What does that mean? You know, we're sinners. We're bound for hell. But God gave us a gift. A gift of salvation. And the price of that gift is priceless. The blood of Christ. Right? So, heavenly thinking number two is we are precious, priceless beings. Say that to each other. You're priceless. Come on, Wilma, say it to, to Lian. Okay, Lian or whatever. Forgot your name. Chisha, Chisha. We are precious, priceless beings purchased by the priceless blood of Christ. Precious blood of Christ. You are priceless. You know what that means? You are so important and valuable to God that He cannot just leave you as you are. Folks, I'm challenging you today. If you are not sure where you're going when you die, I have a good news for you. God has a gift for you, the gift of salvation. And that gift is not given to anyone. It's given to his priceless creation like you and me. Because he knows that the only way that you can go to heaven is through the priceless blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Meaning what? You are priceless. There's no price that God can attach to you. If you're priceless and valuable to God, what does it take? What will it take for God to redeem you? Right? $2 billion? No. It's even priceless because the blood of Christ is the only thing that it will take to save you. And he gave that to you because you're that special. Let me illustrate, okay? How price, what, what priceless means, okay? Um, I have a $100 bill here, okay? This is a $100 bill here. The value of this is $100, right? Do you like this? Right? Now, it's very clean, okay? Value, $100, right? If I crumple it, okay? Do you still like it? Oh. How come? You know, the value, the value remains, right? Regardless of its appearance. If I step on it, <laughs> do you like it? Yes. I brought home my point, guys. You know, even in your messes today, even as crumpled as you are, you are priceless in the eyes of God. And it, it takes no less than the blood of Christ to redeem you. And that's how God looks at you. Never, never look down upon yourself because you are a priceless being in the eyes of God. That's the kind of thinking that I would like you to believe. The $100 remain in my pocket, okay? <laughs> Heavenly thinking, number three, towards being God's masterpieces. We are His workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Heavenly thinking, number three, we are God's workmanship. We are masterpieces for the world to see and for the world to want. The reason why Christianity is dying, guys, is because Christians are walking like messes. Christians are not walking like priceless masterpieces because if we start walking like priceless masterpieces, the world would want to become like you. And it all starts by thinking that I am timeless, I would like to live with Christ forever, that I am priceless, I'm valuable in the eyes of God, and I am a masterpiece. That's what God wants for us. And that's what the world needs to see so that they would want to become like you and me. Heavenly thinking towards being God's masterpieces. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Guys, the point is this. If you want to become God's worksmanship or God's masterpiece, you have to become Christ-like. Being a masterpiece is very simple. Just be Christ-like. If you're Christ-like, you're a masterpiece in all aspects of our lives. And how do we become Christ-like in all aspects of our lives? Very simple. The Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Guys, obey now principle. Remember the message of Pastor Reggie before Father's Day, before Romy's message on the tools of the carpenter? He said, if you want to become masterpieces, or if you want to unleash your full potential with God, you have to obey now. Don't delay. What do you have to obey? Make disciples. And I'm so glad that CCF is embarking in GLC and we are in the process of making disciples. Make disciples. What is, making, what is discipleship? I used to believe that the, the gospel was only like going to heaven. No. The gospel is all about sharing Christ, but at the same time leading people to obey all that I commanded you. That's what God said. Until you obey all that God has commanded you, you have not obeyed yet. And you will remain messes. But when you start to learn to obey all that God has commanded you, then masterpiece direction is on your way. Being Christ-like, masterpiece happens when we follow Christ. We obey now, what? The Great Commission. To be God's masterpieces of Christ-likeness, very simple. The command is this. Make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples, who will make disciples, who will make disciples to the third and the fourth generation. Those of you who are into the discipleship group right now, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who don't know discipleship yet, don't worry. We're here to help you. If you have questions in your mind how to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, see us after the worship service, and we'll be glad to show you what it means to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. It's very simple. You yourself have to be discipled. Mike, you're being discipled, right? Okay? You yourself have to make disciples after that. Are you making disciples now? Trying to, right? Praise God for you. Those of you who are not yet there, I hope this message will speak to you. If you want to become masterpieces of God, becoming more and more like Christ, 
The idea is obey now, be discipled to make disciples yourself. Otherwise, you will not be the kind of Christ or Christ-like person that God wants you to be. All right? Very simple. The Apostle Paul understood the Great Commission when he said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul said to the Christians, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. This morning, I have two people who will share. They were, a very, they were very afraid to make disciples, but of course, by the leading of God, they decided to, and I would like you to hear them. Tony? Tony Ong, of course, is not, he's an ordinary man, but I'd like you to hear the ordinary story after the master artist has taken care of him. Here stand before you a nervous masterpiece. <laughs> Good morning, guys. <clears throat> I thought this weekend would be just as usual, an easy, nice-going weekend for me until Pastor Danny called me up and asked me to say something about discipleship, and everything turned upside down. <laughs> I was so nervous. I was tensed up. And I survived two sleepless nights. <clears throat> but I'm here today ready to serve the Lord. <clears throat> I've been a Christian for more than 40 years. I joined churches in Manila and churches here in the U.S. Uh, Filipino churches, Chinese churches, and American churches. But none of them talk about discipleship. It was three years ago when I joined CCF Manila that I first heard of the D group or the discipleship, discipleship group. <clears throat> I did join one of them, but since I travel a lot from Manila to the US, I didn't really get the meaning of discipleship over there. But here in CCF LA, I was pounded week after week for me to become discipled and to disciple. It is the handiwork of Pastor Danny and Pastor Insong. When I'm playing golf with Pastor Danny, uh, you know, he even injects discipleship in our game. One time he told me that was like, uh, a few weeks ago before he left for the East Coast, he said, Tony, you know the right swing, but you don't do it. That's why you produce poor shots. Isn't it just like our Christian walk? We know what to do, what to do that is right, but we don't do it. Now, is that discipleship in progress? Uh, and then, uh, you know, our discipleship is not just playing golf. Um, in our sharing moments, I learn about the Word of God, <clears throat> the deeper meaning of a lot of verses that uh, applies to my life, and uh, 
we share our problems, we pray together, and together we pray for others. <clears throat> we laugh at our foolishness. It's just that we, are, we enjoy each other in this discipleship relationship. You know, when you know, Pastor Danny went to uh, the East Coast, he went there to meet a friend. <clears throat> he did not went there just to meet that friend, but that is his disciple in, from Manila. So I realized that discipleship is not just a one-shot deal. It's a lifelong endeavor where brothers and sisters, through love, grow and mature in Christ. And together, they multiply. And together, they glorify God. Being discipled, uh, I'm so nervous, you know. So this is how I understand what discipleship is now. <clears throat> we always say that uh, life is a learning process. Wouldn't, be, wouldn't it be more beautiful if we learn it through discipleship? Do you agree? <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, Just as the body, though one body, has many parts, that's our body that has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. Yes, Jesus continued to live. Uh, Jesus continued to live out his life through this corporate body, which is the church, and that's us, the body of Christ. <clears throat> and through these people or this church, or us, disciples, together we extend the life of Jesus to the world. Michael J. Wilkins, a distinguished professor, a distinguished professor of New Testament language and literature at Talbot School of Theology says this, being a Christian is a statement about what Christ has done to my life. And being a disciple is a statement of what I am doing for Christ. Today I pray that I may not only be a disciple, but I can disciple others. Today I also pray that I could be a part of the early closure of the Great Commission, which is the disciple to all nations. I'm Tony, being discipled. Are you? It's okay. What Tony didn't mention is he's being discipled and he's actually discipling some men right now. And believe me, his life changed because of that. Our next sharer is Nat Miguel. You know, the reason why I'm calling these ordinary people, believe me, they used to shy away. And now, here they are. 
Good morning. Niaoma. I've been uh, challenged by my discipler, none other than uh, Daniello Perezzi, is that what your name is? A couple of times to take on the task of discipling others. But I always find ways to avoid doing it and make all kinds of excuses. I keep on saying to him, at saka na lang yan, some other time. And besides, I'm already committed to do the ushering every Sunday for as long as God will allow me to do it. Okay na yon. But when, uh, w when the opportunity to disciple came, who am I to say no to God? In Matthew 28, his command is very clear, to make disciples. So I humbly said yes to him. God uses ordinary people just like you and me to be discipled and to disciple. In Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said to these ordinary men, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What an honor. Jesus is extending the same invitation to us, ordinary people, and truly, what an honor and privilege it is to do it for him. My wife, Raquel, and I prayed about it because it was a husband and wife whom God has given us to share not only the word of God, but also our life's testimony. Share with them how God helped us through our times of trials and difficulties. Discipleship is not only about studying and learning God's word and its life, life's application, but it, al it is also about what we can learn from one another as we share our experiences and the circumstances we encounter each day and praying for one another as well. Discipleship helped me in my spiritual walk, and that is to be more focused on what matters the most, my intimate relationship with our living God and how to live a life pleasing to Him. Before, during my younger years, siguro mga two or three years ago, <laughs> plus tax and everything, it's about 30 years ago. Okay. Um, <laughs> I used to have uh, this what you call pride, and I'm sure a lot of us are struggling with that. In Tagalog, punung-puno ng kayabs, you know, kayabangan. But God has um, other plans for me. He taught me how to humble myself before Him and before others. When I was driving in the city streets of Manila, I used to roll down, my, roll down my car window when I encountered crazy drivers just to have a colorful verbal exchange with them. <laughs> but now it's just a thing of the past. In 1 Peter 5, 5-7, it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He's not done with me yet, and it is my prayer that the Holy Spirit will change and guide me moment by moment to become the person God would want me to be.
It is a humbling experience to just serve and obey our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And by becoming a committed disciple that will disciple others as well, that will bring, bring honor and glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Nat. I mean, ordinary people living ordinary lives will not remain ordinary if you let the master mold you into becoming a masterpiece. And the only way that you can become a masterpiece is, believe me, step of faith. Be discipled to disciple others. The challenge is this. Do you want to be masterpieces of God, the greatest artist of all, to be Christ-like and crowned with glory and worth for all eternity in heaven, or major messes of sin and Satan for all eternity in hell? Guys, no-brainer. No-brainer. We all want to become masterpieces. And my challenge and my call, be God's masterpieces of Christ-likeness. I beg you, be discipled yourself to make disciples thereafter. I beg you, get started by completing the GLC and be part of a D group. If you don't know what I'm talking about, see the leaders of this church and we will explain it to you in all humility. Because this is what it will take for you to become God's masterpieces. We would like you to be able to say, after all, after all, after everything has been said and done, I would like you to be able to say, like me, follow me as I follow Christ. Here's my last challenge. I would like you to declare, I, look at that, put your name in there, I, Wilma, I, Alvin, I'm God's masterpiece. Why don't you say that right now? I, your name, I'm God's masterpiece. Not messes of Satan. Let's pray. I am an Obermeister. Father God, thank you for the message this morning. And thank you for renewing our minds and our thoughts. That we are special. We are priceless. We will live forever. That we are your masterpiece. And that we ought to be like that by being discipled and discipling others. Lord, help me say that over and over again to myself. That I am a masterpiece of the living God. And don't allow Satan, Lord, to destroy what, I, what is in my mind and to keep me from going and pursuing what you want me to be. Lord, thank you for making us masterpieces. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I would like us now to pray together for, you know, the husband of Dr. Ates. Um, his name is Romy. He's in UC, USC right now. He's in the hospital. Dr. Ates, would you please stand up, okay, so that people will know uh, that, you know, yeah, she's here with us today. And I would like you to all stand, please, and let's all pray together. Let's pray for Romy, okay? Um, God is doing some miracle in their lives, but we know that before God will fix the physical illness, illness God will have to fix the spiritual uh, illness in their system as well. And our prayer is for Romy, uh, Dr. Tess, and the family to come to believe that they are masterpieces of God and that thereafter God can heal them of the sickness that is, what is whatever is in Romy right now. Let's bow our heads and really claim by faith this healing. Father, we just want to thank you for allowing us to be able to minister and pray for Romy, the husband of Dr. Tess, who is in USC right now in the ICU. Lord, 
like any physician, you know exactly what's going on with him. And Lord, there's no complication that you cannot solve. And with one heart, as a people, we lift him up to you, Father. First of all, Lord, draw his heart to you so that he will come to you and believe that he's, you are the only one who can save him from his situation from sin. And more than that, Lord, after that, Lord, I pray that make him realize that that is the most important thing of all, to be right with you, to be, to be accepted um, as priceless, as timeless, and as a masterpiece. Lord, I pray that you will use uh, Ray, myself, and Doctora Nene, and even Doctora Tess to be able to express this to him beyond any shadow of doubt, Lord, so that he will come to you and be saved by your grace and by your spirit. Father, I lift him up to you right now, even now as he's lying down in the bed. I pray that you put your healing hand upon him. Yes. And Lord, whatever complication that is, you can straighten it out. It's beyond me, Lord, yes. but it's not beyond you. Amen. So we claim healing even now for this man. Yes. So that when he is healed, Lord, he will say that it is about you and you alone. And the family and Dr. Tess and the family will believe that you are an awesome God, the masterpiece artist who can make masterpieces out of all of us. We claim victory, Lord. We claim healing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. We also just want to remind you of our uh, sister, Mickey. She's now been moved out of ICU, pediatric ICU. She's now in the regular room. So continue to pray for her. You know, if those of you don't know, she almost drowned from in, in the school. Uh, during a graduation uh, celebration. But praise God, God is sustaining her and God is sustaining the family, all right? So you're dismissed to your lunch and be sure to come back at 12 so we can continue with our GLC, all right? <laughs>